Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Have your Bibles, open them up with me for a few moments. I'm going to jump straight into the Word tonight. Can I teach on something, um, teach you again tonight? I, for the last several weeks, just had the privilege and honor and always grateful for the opportunity to speak in our evening services. And so I've, I've just been in the book of Peter just probably the last several weeks. And so I'm going to go back there again uh, tonight. And um, if you've been here, I've been here the last couple of weeks as we've been. So um, we're going to go back to the book of Peter again. But this time I want to go to first, uh, first Peter. I want to go to chapter one. I want to go to chapter one. And um, First Peter chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse 3, and then I'm going to jump over to First Peter chapter 4, and we'll come back. And um, as you're turning or clicking or looking up to the screen, just one more time, just want to encourage all of our ladies, if you have not signed up for Divine, you need to do it. Get registered. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. I mean, it's, you know, I was telling Pastor Ben down there, I said, I've had so many people from, from Georgia, text and call and talked about how the conference was and, and then, you know, um, just how it's just been life-changing and impactful. And I mean, know that we serve a God that will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Come on, how many of you believe that he, would, he can exceed? Come on, here in Orange County. I'm not minimizing that all, at all, but I'm just saying. First Peter chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. That's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, say for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various or different types of trials, that the genuineness genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perished, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having, whom Having not seen, you love, though now you do not see though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. That's faith right there. Notice what it said. Though now you do not see him, yet believe. Isn't that something? I don't have to see to believe, but I believe because he said. Amen. Now let's jump over to First Peter uh, chapter four. It says uh, verse twelve. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be uh, glad with exceeding joy. I'm going to read that verse now in the message translation and listen to what it says. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusion. That God isn't on the job. I want to tell somebody that boldly. Don't you jump to conclusion tonight. You need to understand that God is on the job. God is working while you're wondering. Wondering how it's going to happen. Wondering how it's going to play out. You serve a God 
that works while you wonder. And he is always on the job. He never sleeps nor slumbers, the scripture said. But he's always in control and he's always on the job. Amen? Instead, be glad, watch this, that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. He said you ought to rejoice the fact that if you're going through a, a, a tough season or a tough time or facing trials, he said there ought to be rejoicing that you, you are actually experiencing some of what Christ experienced. And then it says this, this is a spiritual refining process. Here it is, with glory just around the corner. This is a spiritual refining process with glory. Notice what it said. I love it. Just around the corner, which means it's almost here. It's not far away. If I keep the right spirit and do what I need to do in this moment in time, glory is just around the corner. Something great is just around the corner. Something new, something bigger than I ever thought, dreamed, or imagined is just around the corner. If I don't give up, if I don't quit, and if I don't stop now, it may be tough, it may be hard, it may dif be difficult, but glory is just around the corner. If you believe that, give me one clap of praise if you, because I'm, I'm doing more. I, I want to declare that prophetically over your life, that glory is just around the corner. I said glory is just around the corner. I've been talking about um, Peter addressing this particular context of of, of people concerning the struggles and the challenges they were facing. And if there was anybody that could, that had the authority or even the experience uh, to be able to address such group of people would be Peter himself. I was shocked and amazed to find out that in the New Testament, do you understand that Peter's name was mentioned more than the apostle Paul? Not only that, that outside of Jesus in the gospel, Peter is mentioned, is the name that's mentioned more than any other name in the New Testament. This is a man that, like, like I said, who, 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 if anyone would have the authority to talk about how to make it through tough seasons and hard times and trying times, it would be this man here. I begin to think about his life and go back through some of the things that he faced. Understand that he became one of the, one of the most prominent disciples. He, he, the scripture talks about how he talked more than the other disciples. Peter had the tendency to be kind of a loud mouth. Peter would cut ears off. Peter would cuss. He, Peter would always step up to the front. He was kind of braggadocious. He was kind of arrogant. You know, Pete, Peter was one that the rooster proved him to be a coward. I wrote this down. He ran away from Christ, you know, during his most trying time. It was Peter that ran to the empty tomb. But you see all these things where Peter seemingly was just this unstable guy. But yet the Bible declares you see him transition. What's amazing is Peter's first name, Simon, what he was originally called, means shaky or fading away. But isn't it funny that Jesus said that he called him Peter, which means rock. In other words, Peter went through a season that enabled him to go from being a shaky and unstable person to be a rock solid apostle 
that the scripture said that will stand on the day of Pentecost and preach the first sermon that birthed the New Testament church. Here is a man that was, well, that was kind of fickle in his faith, was going back and forth, vacillating at times. Here was a man that said, I would never deny Jesus, and he ended up denying. Here was a man that looked at all the other disciples and said, you know, you're not as strong as I am. You're not as hard as I am. You're not as committed as I am. And you know the story. Peter had to eat crow, if I could use that terminology, and eat his words. But what I love is that the Bible said that when Peter journeyed through these circumstances and hardships and struggles in life, they ended up not breaking him, but what he walked through ended up making him. A man went from a shaky, unstable disciple to a rock-solid apostle whom the Bible said he was crucified upside down. He was that bold because he said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. This same man that was shaky at one moment in his life, he became so solid in his faith. Remember, he was part of the lame man getting healed at the gate called Beautiful. He was one that at one time we see in, in the gospel where he ran from those that were persecuting Christ. But in the book of Acts, the Bible said Peter stood up boldly and faced the Sanhedrin and defied them with boldness and courage. It was Peter that got to a point that he was a solid man. He was a strong man and a man of faith. I know at one time, if you look back over his past, you would be questionable about Peter. But when Peter began to journey through situations and circumstances, I love it that God never, I love this, God God never disqualified. God never counted him out. God never held him back. All the while when he first called him, he already saw what Peter was going to be. And through his struggles, through his mess ups, through his issues, through his downfalls, through his failure, we serve a God that says, I'm still not done with you yet. I know that you're shaking now, but I see a solid man inside of you. Somebody needs to hear that. Your God is not done with you yet and your God is not finished with you yet. You may have gone through struggle. You may have, like Peter, you may have found yourself doing the very thing that you said you would never do and you feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You feel just condemned all over again. We serve a God. I don't know why this ain't that. We serve a God of restoration. We serve a God that says, I am he that will blot out your transgressions and remember them no more. He is a forgiving God. He is a loving God. He is a redeeming God and a reconciling God. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care how far you strayed away. The Bible said he has a strong hand and an outstretched arm. He can reach down in any situation, any circumstance, any dilemma and snatch you back to your proper place in him. If you believe the God that knows how to pull you up from a horrible pit, give him praise and I'll move on. Peter comes to this audience. He says, I'm not speaking from a, from a place of, of intellectualism. I'm not addressing you concerning these trials that you're going through for the sake of what I learned in a seminary classroom. I'm not coming to you with head knowledge of what I read in several books, but I'm coming to you with life experience. I'm coming to you letting you know that I've walked down some similar paths. I've gone through a little something, something. I've hit some hardships and struggles myself. 
So I come not as one that has it up here in my head, but one who comes declaring it from my heart to encourage you and to prepare you. I'm going to encourage you for those who are going through trials, but I also want to prepare those for those who will have them eventually in life. Because what you got to understand is what that, that, that trials are actually a trademark of Christianity. It comes with your package of Christianity. Yeah, you don't get to exclude it. You don't get to pick and choose, but it's part of it. Watch this. I love it in the scripture and in the text. You know, it says this. Peter starts out and he says this. Beloved, he said, think it not strange. Notice the first thing he said. Beloved. You got to get that in your spirit because the first thing that Peter wanted them to understand is that if, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, watch this, bad things do happen to good people. Come on, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But he said one thing you got to get settled from the beginning. Notice what he called them. He, he said, beloved. You got to remember, number one, that no matter what I face, I am loved. I am, come on, I am loved by God. No matter, come on, you got to get that settled. I want you to understand who you are. You are the loved of God. Why does that make sense? Because when you understand that, Romans 8.35 makes sense. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you we're sitting ducks they pick us off one by one none of this phases us because Jesus loves us I am absolutely convinced that nothing nothing living nothing dead angelic demonic today tomorrow next week next month next year 20 years from now high low thinkable unthinkable absolutely nothing can come on can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus our master has embraced us I don't care what I go through. It will never separate me from the love of God. I am the beloved of Christ Jesus. If you believe it, give Jesus a shout of praise. I'm loved by him. And when you understand that, he said, don't think it's something strange, which is to try you. Something strange. It implies the idea of those that were saying, you know what, I don't understand. How could this be happening? It's not, uh, we're living right, we're doing right, we're doing everything that we know to do. How could this happen to us? I don't get it. And he said, don't count it as anything strange. Matter of fact, you need to expect this. Why is that important, Javon? Because I'm going to show you this. Listen, listen. In reality, trials and testing to believers is the norm, is the usual, and to be expected. But here it is. Watch this. But with the, without this clarity, though, you got to understand that every trial and every test, and here's what I'm about to say, comes with a gracious design. This trial that has come to test you, it's actually translated, watch this, it, this trial which has come to be a blessing to you. It's actually saying what you think is really coming against you 
is actually really being used with a gracious design to bless you. It's to take you further than where you are now. I know it doesn't make sense. I don't know it. That, that rattles your brain a little bit. Why does God have to do it this way? Why can't he do it another way? Because some of you won't listen. Some of you. Sometimes God has to allow things to get our attention. But watch this. You have to understand, even if he allowed it, there's still a gracious design in it. Because without that understanding, this is what happened. When storms hit believers' lives and you don't have an understanding that God may not caused it, but God still can use it. He might not be the author of it, but he knows how to finish it for my good. Come on. If you don't have that understanding, this is where we get upset. We get mad at God. We leave church. We come unhinged off all the moral beliefs that we had because this is what we say. I pray. I give. I sow. I serve. I read my Bible. But why did hell hit my home? This shouldn't be. Could it be that the reason why hell did hit your home is because you sow. It's because you pray. It's because you read the word. It's because you worship God. Is it because you serve? Could it be that why hell hit your home it wasn't about what you weren't doing could it be it's about you were being faithful and doing what was right unto God see 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 you got to understand the difference watch this from being picked out and being picked on there's a huge difference some of you feel like you're being picked on but could it be that you've been picked out because see if you if you had it from Joe's perspective it looked like he was being picked on by the devil but in reality he had been picked out by God before the devil picked on him God had already picked him out God said I got a man in mind devil that I dare to put up against you he's a God fearing man he's an honorable man he's so he gives he loves his wife he loves his children he doesn't do any evil and watch this isn't it amazing that we always preach and teach when that as men we should have faith in God but could it be in this moment God had faith in a man. And some of you are feeling picked on. But could it be that you have been picked out? Watch this. You've been trusted with a trial. God Almighty. I said you've been trusted. See, you think you've been given a tragedy. But could it be you've just been trusted with a trial? That God wants to use you in the trophy case of heaven to rub it in the devil's face to tell you, I told you they love me. I told you that. Come on, somebody. I'm not picked on. I'm picked out. And what I love about it, the Bible said, God, and, and, and th 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 see, God had to allow it anyway. Do you remember that Joe, watch this, Satan had already tried to get Job. The scripture said, God said, have you considered him? And the Bible said this, he said, yeah, I tried, but I couldn't touch him. So wait a minute. When he got touched, it's only because God allowed it. But let me show you this. So what that means to me, prayer does work. 
Come on, sacrifice the something was keeping that hedge around. Come on, somebody. See, see, this is where you got to look at the story because he was praying, the Bible said, and, and there was a hedge, not just around him, but around his children, around his money, around his business, around his calling. And the only reason why hell got through is because God opened the latch. And he would have never allowed it if he knew Job couldn't come out of it. And God will never allow you to go through anything. Do you hear me? Or face anything. I will not tempt you above your capacity. God said, I already looked at what you're made of before you got in it. And if I didn't think you could come out, it, out of it, I would have never allowed it to happen to you. But the fact that it did happen, God has already predetermined you are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. And you can come up out of this. Because guess what? Glory is just around the corner. If you just hold on and stay in there, glory. Glory is around the corner. So, so why is it important? Let me just jump down here. You need to understand that trials are the weight room of our faith. It's only in the weight room of trials that our faith is strengthened and made solid. You never get stronger. If you know anybody that work out, lightweight and a lot of reps won't give you strength. It'll give you a form, but it won't give you power. And some people are settled with the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. But if you want a little weight, you want a little strength in the spirit, you expect some weight to be put on you. But any person knows when they get in the gym and start lifting heavy weight to get stronger, the wise person know that I need to have a spotter. Because if I'm going to push myself to the limits, I need to have somebody there that can help me in case I begin to, come on, fall back a little bit. A spotter, watch this, don't let the weight fall on you, but a spider, spotter waits till you get to your absolute last little bit and you can't push no more. He doesn't do the weight for you, but he do give you a little help to keep you going. See, oh, what am I trying to say? See, we have a spiritual spotter. His name is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit stands over you and he watches uh, and when the weight of circumstances come down, you think you're going to break, you think you're going to cave in, but he's right there because he comes alongside of us and he helps us with our infirmities. See, that's what happened to Peter when he stepped out on water. Come on. He was under the weight of that situation, but Jesus said, that's okay, Peter. I got you. The spotter reached right down and picked him up right in the middle of a trying time, and let's walk on back to water. And even in that moment, it looked like failure, but I do believe in that moment Peter learned a lesson. Even when I fall, my Jesus is still there. Even when I lose focus, my Jesus is still there. Trials come often to transition your trust. Some of us trust. The apostle Paul said, he said, we had the sentence of death in us. We thought we were going to die. And then he said, but it made sense. It said so that, watch this, the, our sufficiency would not be in ourselves or we would not trust in our own sufficiency, but we would trust in God. He said we got to the point it was so hard that we thought we were going to lose our life. But he said when God stepped in, he delivered, oh God, he delivered us. I love this. He is delivering us. That's what he said. And he will continue to deliver. 
In other words, in that moment, Paul understood when I got down to my lotus, Lois, I came to know my God to be the greatest. And he said, this trial, what it did was transition my trust that I can never be so confident in myself and my ability and what I can do, but I'll always keep my trust in Jesus Christ. I don't know who I'm talking to, but sometimes trials come to transition our trust. Sometimes we begin to trust in our money. We trust in our jobs. We trust in people. We trust in positions. We trust in titles. We begin to trust in the things of this world, but God loves you enough to remind you that it's Christ alone. It's me alone. I'm your cornerstone. I'm your source. I'm your provider. I'm your sustenance. I'm your increase. I'm your help. No, it's not in Tom. It's not in Sue. It's not in Mary or it's in Mike. It's in me, Jesus Christ. And you don't have to keep searching. You have to look up to Jesus. That's where the answer is. Watch this. Can I teach you a little bit more? That's why it says this. Listen. When it said, which is to try you, he said, don't think some strange thing that has happened. There's a gracious design. And the scripture said this. Notice it was a specific fire. He didn't just say uh, a specific trial. He didn't say a trial. He called it a fiery trial. In other words, it was specific. And Peter used this terminology because I, I believe he understood the audience and the context who would understand it because of what it represented and what it was symbolic of. And notice he said, a fi- not just any, tri- not a wet trial, not a dry trial, a fiery trial. Fiery. When you think about fire, watch this. A fire out of control leads to devastation. But fire under control leads to development. Because, see, you can have a brush fire or you can have a torch. I used to work in metal. We used torches all the time. We had computer program torches that could cut precision and precisely because the fire was under control. The fire was in a position that it had an intended purpose to accomplish. But when it's out of control, it does devastation. But Peter is not talking about a fire that's out of control. He's talking about a refiner's fire is what the scripture said. Oh, let me give you the scripture so I can get on over here and give it to you good. Proverbs 17.3 said the refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. Isaiah 48.10 says, do you see what I have done? I've refined you, but not with fire. I've tested you like silver in the furnace of affliction. I just said I used to work in metal metal works um, um, prior to ministry, and I used to work at a company in Gainesville. It was called... Called Whitehead die casting. It was a die casting company that what we actually did, we cast um, aluminum dies. One of the main products is like one of these exit signs that you see. It's not that particular kind, but it was made out of aluminum. And these uh, aluminum signs were made as a result of these big molds that liquid uh, aluminum was shot into. But the process, follow me real quickly, was we would get huge aluminum blocks. And these aluminum blocks would come in all shiny and pretty. And then we had, a, we had a man, his job was he would begin to take these aluminum blocks and he would go back to the die casting area where there was this huge furnace, thousands of degrees hot. 
to the point that every time he would push that silver bar over into that furnace, it was a matter of moments. I mean, literally, before it would just start to liquefy. Because that, that, that see, the, the aluminum had to be transferred or transitioned to a state that it could be molded. Because as long as it was hard, it wasn't in the position that it needed to be. To be placed in the machine, to be able to cast a mold, to be something that would be beneficial to people. And so what, what would have to happen, they would put the bar, they would melt. Watch the process though, because it's similar to a goldsmith. And what his job was too, all day long, he had a big shovel that he would go and he would constantly scrape the top of that furnace off. Now, what would baffle me is those bars were shiny when they went in. And from the appearance, they looked clean. From the appearance, they were shiny like it was all good. But when they got into the fire and began to melt, all the impurities from those silver bars would begin to rise to the top. So his job was not only to get the bars into the fire, he had to scrape the top of the fire off at, at, at different times because those were the impurities that rose to the top once it got in the fire. And he had to keep it scraped because if the impurities got in the liquid that was shot into the mold, the mold would be malfunctioned. It would not hold up and have the durability that it needed to provide the function. <laughs> I'm ready to teach this right now. In other words, those, those hard masses never got in a state to be transitioned or used into something greater until it went through a fiery furnace that put it in a position that it could be molded and shaped. The point that he is making here a fiery trial. Sometimes we go through fiery trials, watch this, to refine us. That word refine means to remove all the impurities and the elements that are not needed. And watch this, isn't it amazing that the only when the bar got into the fire, watch this, that it became a state that it could be used. Some of us, oh my Lord, because as long as it was hardened, it couldn't be used. And could it be that some of us are going through a little something, something now? It's because God is trying to get rid of some hard places in our life. Maybe some of us are a little bit hard-headed, a little bit hard-hearted, come on, a little bit stiff-necked. We want to do what we want to do and how we want to do it and we want to have it. He said, okay, I know how to soften you up. Let me allow a little heat to come to your life to get you in a state that you can be molded. Because as long as you're hard, mean, ugly, nasty, you're hard, 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 hard. You ain't hard. Hard, hard, hard. You hard, hard, hard. You're not in a state to be used by God in the way that He wants you to be used. Can I go a little deeper? Isn't it funny that that when it got in the fire, that's when the impurities came to the top. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so the same impurities, watch this, they were in the mass to begin with, but you couldn't look on it 
and know that oh God on the outside and know what was on the inside it was only when it got into the fire what was on the inside came to the surface some of us it's only in the fire where who you really are really come out where stuff come up out of you come on attitudes come up out of you come on negativity comes up out of you complaining comes up out of you meanness and ugliness some things don't show up to the fire but remember my friend it is a gracious desire God's not picking on you God is preparing you because he knows I need to mold you into something that's going to be used for my glory but I refuse to let you live a contaminated life so if I a life so if I got to turn up the heat my hand is on the thermostat I know exactly how much you can take how much you can go through to get you where I need you to be it's the furnace of affliction we don't like that. So, 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 Pastor Ben, remember you said last week, you said, so you need this in the morning service. You need the fire in the water. So you know what I wrote down? Fire is nothing but disguised favor. <sighs> I'm going to go tell them over here. I said... I said, your fire is nothing more than disguised favor. When the fire hits your life, could it be it's because there's favor on your life? And God is saying, I'm going to favor you with fire to get you where I need you to be. Refine you. Let me give you these. Is this all right? Refine us. Say number two, he prepares us. God will use trials and use tests to prepare us. Number one, to refine us. Number two, or purify us. Number two, to prepare us. There's no such thing as microwave maturity. God will use trials, watch this, for incremental development. In other words, to develop you in stages so that you can be, watch this, prepared for your incremental ascension. Because God has greater and bigger for you, but he knows that he, at times, see, if he just lets you get there now, there's some things in you now. That will... That, that will can cause you to mess up if you're not ready for it. And, and it's not punishment. It's the loving father that says, I, I, I got to take you through this because it's going to produce in you incremental development. You're going to develop little by little. But the more you developed, the more I'm preparing you because I can't put you in that business right now. Has nothing to do with your faith has everything to do with your spiritual development. I can't put it in you. It's not that I don't want you to have it, but you're not ready. And I wouldn't be the father that I, 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 I call myself to be if I put you in it and know that you're not ready for it. See, we shout over open doors. I shout over closed doors. Because the prayer of my heart is always this. If I'm not ready for it, don't let me have it. If I, no, I'm, I mean that. I pray it all the time. I said, if I'm not ready for it, don't let me have it. 
because I don't want to get in it and lose it and make a mess of myself and also misrepresent your name. So whatever I got to do to prepare, whatever you need to do and take me through to prepare me for where you want me to go, be it unto me according to your word. I submit to the process because I know that when you have prepared, when you have molded and you have shaped, because see, that's what pruning is. He said, I have to prune you, not because you're not bearing fruit. I want you to bear more fruit. And so it looks like a setback and a cut off, but it's really a setup and preparation for the greater that God wants to do in your life. But I don't want it if I can't handle it. Javon, you don't have faith. No, I do have faith. I have faith for what God knows I can handle. The Bible said our times are in his hand, not our hands. And sometimes you can get frustrated with God. You can get, oh yeah, you, I, well, sometimes I can get frustrated with God since y'all holy and everything, whatever. And, and, and because what we want God to do is move on our timetable. And sometimes the things that you think are not coming quick enough, it's not that because God don't want you to have it. He's working. He's preparing. Can I give you this quick point and then I got one more and we're done. I thought about Noah. God said, prepare Noah. Watch this. He prepared Noah in a dry season for what he was going to do in a very rainy season. Because that, or a flooding season, which represents judgment or even overflow. But notice he did it in his dry season. Noah built an ark, built an ark. See, we got the Bible. He didn't understand. What for what? There ain't a cloud in the sky. This don't make sense. Prepare. What he was saying, prepare in the drought. Prepare in the time that seemingly is dry and, huff and, 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 and hard and tough. Prepare. And he gave him instructions on how to prepare in the drought, in the drought for what he was going to step into in the flood. Watch this. The ark was not built for the rain. The ark was built for the flood. <laughs> flood was the overflow of the rain. So he said, sometimes what I'm building you, building in you and preparing you for is not what's going to come. Watch this immediately. The rain came first, but the flood came next. The flood was bigger than the rain. I'm not preparing you for just the rain. I'm preparing you for the flood. I'm preparing you for greater. And it don't make sense in the drought. But I want to prophesy rain's coming. The flood's coming. If you'll prepare, if you'll let God prepare you in this season, there is more. said, I'll, I'll, I want to purify you. I want to prepare you. And the last thing is this right here. He said, I want to perfect your prayers and your praise. The Bible said the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. That word fervent, it actually means glowing. <laughs> it means hot. It means heated. 
effectual is the, is the original word energia, which means, watch this, energy from within. In other words, could it be that God allows us to go through fiery trial to get fervent prayers? Because some of us don't pray until we get in crisis. Some of us, prayer is our last resort and not our first response. For some of us, prayer is still an option and not a necessity. And God said, okay, I, I, I love you enough. I'll allow some fire to heat up those prayers. He's not mean. He's loving. Because he knows the power of prayer. You, he, it's not that he needs your prayers. You need your prayers. You need your prayers because it's your prayers that moves his hand. And he knows if you're prayerlessness, my hand can't operate in that. So I, I, I'm going I'm to work things to get you praying so I can be more involved in your life. Because for you to cease to pray is for me to cease to work. Your prayers give me permission to move on your behalf. And so I'll allow some things to get some fervent prayer. Come on. And notice it said from within. It's the kind of passionate prayer that's not in your head. Dr. Lord, thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. No. All that foolishness, religious, pretty. It's not talking about some cute, pretty, memorized prayer in your head. It's the kind of prayer that you get down on your knees. It's a prayer from within. Oh, God, save my daughter. Save my son. Oh, God, I, in the name of Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Move in my finances. Move in my body. Move in my health. I command my body to line up to the word of God. In the name of Jesus, uh, I call my daughter home. I call my son home. In the name of Jesus, uh, I will rise. I will get up. In the name of... No, it's not. I'm telling you, you get to the place, you don't care how you sound. You don't care how you look. You're not trying to impress people. You're trying to touch heaven. There's something about a fiery trial that can put fervency in your prayers. That's when they prayed, when they burned the incense in the old tabernacle. That smoke went up in the holies of holies. And it represented the prayers that went up. Notice this. If there was no fire, nothing went up. Could it be if you're not passionate? Oh, God. If you're not passionate about your praying about. Do you, if you're casual, God, if you want to, whatever. It's up to you, bro. Chill. Whatever. <laughs> that ain't moving heaven. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. I come with boldness. I come with courage. I come with authority. Not in my name. I come in the name of Jesus. I come under the grace of God. And I come understanding that he alone. And the last thing is this. He said, perfect your prayers and your praise. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms. He says, I waited patiently upon the Lord. They'll put the scripture up. And he heard my cry. There it is. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. It says this. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon. Look at that. Upon a rock. Watch this. And he established my steps. One more. And he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and hear. Last point. Notice. You know what got me? He said, when he brought me up out of the pit and the miry clay, he put a new song 
in my mouth. In other words, he got a song after the pit that he didn't have before the pit. He got a praise after the trial that he didn't have before the trial. He said, when I went through that pit and in the miry clay and God reached down and lifted me up, he said, the praise that I had after I went through there, it wasn't my old praise. It wasn't parrot praise. You know what parrot praise is? When somebody beside you say hallelujah, you say hallelujah. You say, say thank you, thank you, Jesus. In other words, your praise, come on, it's only a repetition of what you hear somebody else say. But he said, no, 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 no. When I came out of that pit, when I came through that trial, God put a new song in my spirit. He put a new praise on my lip. Before I went through what I went through, I was worried about my mascara. I was worried about my makeup. Didn't know if my lipstick was in place. I didn't know if my shirt would get Get wrinkled, my shoes would get messed up, my nice shirt would get tear stains on it. But when I come through what I came through, I don't care anymore. God has been too good to me. I'm gonna give a praise, I'm gonna give a shout, I'm gonna give a hallelujah. I'm not, I don't care how dick. Oh my God. I'm not too dignified to praise him. He's been too good to me. I'm not going to come in church and sit down like God has done nothing for me. He's brought me through some pits. He's brought me through some trials. He's brought me through some hardships. And I refuse to sit down. There's a praise that comes up inside of you. And let me talk to all the religious folk real quick. Because it bothers me sometimes. Like Mikhail, you start turning up your nose at David. Why they got to jump around? Why them kids got to be in the altar like that? Why they got to shout? Look at him. They just want to be seen. They want to be seen. Look at him. Why are they jumping? Look, they offbeat. They don't even know the words of the song. They just jumping around. Why don't you hush? Because could it be you don't know the hell that they went through? You are looking on the outside. You don't know what devils they had to fight. You don't know what cancer they've overcome. You don't know what abuse they've been through. You don't know what pit they come out of. Go ahead and let them praise God like they want to because God has given them a new song. Does anybody got a new song at the 530 service? Come on, give them a shout of praise. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Days of cute praise is over. Pretty praise is out the door. I'm sorry. Your God's been too good. I'm just not emotional. No, you're just disobedient. Let everything to have breath praise ye the Lord. You'll shout at a raider. You'll shout at a, a angel. You'll shout at charges. Why don't you shout for Jesus? Why don't you give him your best praise? Come on, lift your voices up. Come on, give him praise. Give him some praise. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.